You're about to listen to Office Hours with me, Georgia Howe. This is a weekly companion series to PragerU's popular five-minute videos, where I explore various political and cultural topics with PragerU experts, asking questions and digging deeper to bring you perspectives that you may not hear in a traditional college classroom. To watch the video version of this series, click on the link in the description or go to dailywire.com. Welcome to Office Hours. I'm Georgia Howe with The Daily Wire. Today, we sit down with Heritage Senior Legal Fellow and Manager of Heritage's Election Law Reform Initiative, Hans von Spakovsky. His new PragerU video is titled The Georgia Reform Law, Who Wants Fair Elections?, where he breaks down the two sides of the Georgia voting reform debate. On one side, folks are fighting to ensure that all votes are cast legitimately. On the other side, folks are fighting to ensure that the maximum number of people have a chance to vote. Two ideas that seem completely compatible. So why all the controversy? Let's find out. Hans, thanks so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So your video is even more timely now that there is this Department of Justice uh, suit against Georgia. So the first thing I want to jump into is can you tell me a little bit about what new restrictions are in place that are kind of causing all this concern? Well, it's it's wrong to refer to them as restrictions. I mean, they have changed uh, provisions in election law, but none of them restrict voters. In fact, uh, some of the, some things actually make it easier to vote. Uh, for example, Georgia uh, last year. Just through an emergency rule, they authorized drop boxes for people to uh, uh, drop off their absentee ballots. Uh, that was never legal under Georgia law, and the election reform bill actually now made it legal. Counties actually can have drop boxes as long as they're, you know, uh, guarded and supervised uh, under certain protections like that. So that's not a restriction. Uh, other provisions that have been a source of controversy is the fact that Georgia, for example, they've had a, a voter ID law in place for more than a decade without any problems. Um, turnout actually has gone up in the state since their ID law went in place, both for uh, uh, all voters and uh, minority voters like black voters. Um, but it only applied to in-person voting. So the election reform bill that Georgia passed extended that to absentee ballots. Um, the Justice Department claims that's somehow racially discriminatory. It clearly is not. Uh, black voters have had no problems dealing with the ID law for 10 years, and simply extending it to absentee ballots doesn't somehow suddenly make the law discriminatory. So just to be clear, for absentee ballots, there was no ID requirement in the past, and now there is an ID requirement? Yes, there is. Yes. Does it have to be a photo ID? What kind of ID are they accepting? Well, in fact, uh, it, it's either a photocopy of uh, any of the IDs that are available for in-person voting, but they have certain fail-safe provisions. And keep in mind, uh, Georgia will provide a free ID to you if you don't already have one, but the vast and overwhelming majority of voters already have one. But they actually have a fail-safe provision that says that, look, if you, if you don't have an ID, if you haven't been able to get one of the free ID prior to the election, um, you can use a copy of, for example, a utility bill, a bank statement, a paycheck, uh, or any other government document uh, with your name and address on it. That is a copy of a federal provi uh, provision 
in the Help America Vote Act that's in place right now, which is that's a requirement for people. The first time you vote in a federal election, if you register by mail, you have to do exactly that. Show an ID and it can be a paycheck, uh, a utility bill, a bank statement. So basically, Georgia copied federal law. So how in the world is that discriminatory? It's not. And then I've also heard people are concerned about um, people starving to death or, or uh, getting thirsty in line. What was the change to the law there? Yeah, in fact, that's one of the, the more absurd claims in the lawsuit filed by the Justice Department. It's as if they think that Georgia voters are stranded in the Sahara Desert. Look, Georgia, just like every other state, uh, prohibits electioneering in or close to a polling place or close to voters who are standing in line to vote. That's the law everywhere. Uh, a number of states, and Georgia now is one of them, have also added a provision saying you also can't give food or money or gifts to voters standing in line to vote. And this is obviously intended to prevent uh, candidates and campaigns and others from trying to influence voters right before they go vote. There's nothing preventing voters from bringing their own water uh, or snacks when they're standing in line. Election officials can provide water, and this only applies close to a polling place. Yet Georgia's been sued over this particular provision with, with claims as racially discriminatory. Georgia actually, when it passed its reform bill, it copied a New York statute, which also prohibits giving food and drinks to voters uh, waiting in line, and yet New York hasn't been sued by the Justice Department with claims that that's somehow discriminatory. So that actually brings me to my next question. Is Georgia more restrictive than other states, for example, blue states like New York, New Jersey? Uh, no, not at all. In fact, uh, uh, Georgia, for example, I think provides twice as many days of early voting as New Jersey. Um, its provision on not giving uh, money and gifts, food, things like that to voters in line is identical to New York's. Uh, the fact that they've now legalized drop boxes for absentee ballots is something that a lot of other states, particularly the Northeast, don't allow at all. So, so the idea that they're somehow more restrictive, that is just simply not true. So Hans, what data or support are the left pointing to when they suggest that these laws are racially discriminatory? Well, they're attacking all of these provisions uh, that we've just discussed and, and others, and they're claiming that these are racially discriminatory, that the Georgia legislature intended uh, to prevent African-Americans from being able to vote, and that these provisions will have the effect of preventing African-Americans to vote. I, I don't think there's any merit to these claims being made, but they clearly are going ahead with this and hoping that they can convince a federal judge uh, that, that that is the case, and they, they hope to get an injunction against Georgia. I think ultimately they will lose this lawsuit, but I think this, this lawsuit, unfortunately, is, is an example of uh, the current people who run the Justice Department, Biden uh, political appointees, abusing their authority under the Voting Rights Act to try to go after choices made by the Georgia legislature on voting that have nothing to do with the Voting Rights Act or racial discrimination. It's just these are policy choices that uh, folks in the Justice Department would not make. Well, 
making a different policy choice on, for example, uh, absentee ballots and drop boxes is not a reason to use the Voting Rights Act to go after that state. So, I mean, this also brings up some issues of federalism. So what is under the purview of the federal government when it comes to making election laws? Is this a state's issue or is it normal for the federal government to tell a state how they should run their election? Well, the authority is split between the states and the federal government. Um, states have actually been administering our elections since our, our founding. Uh, Congress can set the time, place, and manner of federal elections. That's why, for example, federal elections always occur in November. That's been set by federal law. But there's a limit to the authority of the federal government because it's shared with, with state governments. Um, the other thing that states obviously can't do, whether it's federal elections or state elections, is discriminate on the basis of race uh, against any voters. No, no one disputes that. The, the issue here is that requiring an ID, for example, uh, while the Justice Department claims that's somehow racially discriminatory, it's not. Uh, the facts show that. Uh, uh, states have had these ID laws in place now for more than a decade. It has not prevented minorities uh, from being able to vote. Uh, and not only that, but uh, minority voters in this country don't agree with the idea that ID requirements are discriminatory. An overwhelming majority of Americans, including African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, all think voter ID is just a common sense reform that ought to be in place to uh, ensure the integrity of the election process. Yeah, I was going to ask you a bit more about how the, the people, the voters feel about this. What are the numbers on that? I mean, how overwhelming is the support for, for voter ID laws? The, the support is overwhelming. The polling shows this. A huge percentage of voters support voter ID. They simply do not agree with uh, opponents who say that it's somehow voter suppression or somehow discriminatory. And in fact, um, the turnout figures show this. Uh, in last year's election, the 2020 election, the Census Bureau just issued a report on registration and turnout last year. We had record regist voter registration and record turnout. In fact, the turnout in last year's election uh, with ID laws in place in many states was the highest turnout in the 20th century in a presidential election. So the idea that somehow states are out there keeping people from voting, well, the turnout numbers show that is just simply a false claim. And so the idea is that certain minorities are less capable of presenting an ID. Is there any data to support that? Or what are they, what are they using no. to refer to? No. Uh, in fact, that is a, I have to say this, and I don't say this often, that is a patronizingly racist view. And that unfortunately pervades the new Justice Department lawsuit against Georgia, because they're basically claiming that African-American voters are somehow not as capable as other voters of, for example, going and getting the free ID that the state issues. That, of course, is simply not true. Uh, the facts on the ground show that is not true, but that is what's the driving force uh, behind this uh, lawsuit and uh, the opposition of opponents to things like an ID requirement. And recently we've seen some high-profile Democrats change their mind or flip on voter ID laws. So what's what's going on there? Well, the probably most prominent, as we've been talking about Georgia, is Stacey Abrams, who came out and said that, 
why she's never been against voter ID. Of course, that is that is not true. <laughs> of of you all can, people to come out, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that is simply not true. But I think it's because they have uh, seen the polling on this. There's been a number of recent polls on this, as I've said, that show that uh, Americans, particularly African-Americans, overwhelmingly support voter ID. And I think people like Stacey Abrams are suddenly realizing that uh, opposing voter ID is not a good idea because their constituents don't agree with their opposition. So with the expansion of these ballot drop boxes, does that mean that we're expecting to um, expand mail-in voting even beyond this COVID phase? Well, it does mean that uh, there's going to be an additional way for people to return their absentee ballots. Uh, I would hope that folks will return to voting in person. That's the best way of guaranteeing that your vote is going to count because uh, then you don't have to worry about, you know, for example, is the U.S. mail going to deliver your absentee ballot on time back to election officials? If you're in a polling place, you are the one dropping your ballot into the ballot box so you know that that's not an issue. So I hope people will go back to voting in person. Um, that also helps preserve the secrecy of the uh, ballot, which is an important factor in the security of American elections. Uh, but no, I think the phenomenon of, of, of voting by mail, absentee balloting is, is here to stay. A lot of people think it's convenient and they just don't think about other things like the fact that um, you're not as sure that the, that the ballot is going to get delivered as you are when you're in a polling place. So what are some uh, some of the ideas that your initiative um, at Heritage are suggesting for how we can make elections more secure? Well, we've put out a whole list of best practices recommendations, some of which have been followed by various states. Probably the most obvious one that we've been talking about the most is you ought to have to show an ID uh, both for in-person voting and for absentee balloting. Of course, state should provide a free ID to anyone. We also recommend uh, better maintenance of voter registration rolls to take people off who have died or moved out of state to prevent uh, things like double voting, people voting in, in more than one state at the same time. Uh, we also recommend things like verifying the citizenship of individuals registering to vote because there's evidence out there that non-citizens are registering and voting in various parts of the country. That's just a handful of the many uh, recommendations that we've made on this issue. All right. Well, Hans, thank you so much for talking to me about this. Where can people where can people find you online or where can they follow the initiative that you're working on? Sure. If they go to heritage.org, heritage.org, uh, and we have a whole uh, section of our webpage to, uh, devoted to election integrity, and they can find all of this there. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that's the end of today's Office Hours. Make sure to tune in next week for our conversation with a new PragerU presenter. I'm Georgia Howe. Thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, if you'd like to see the video version of this show, or if you haven't seen this week's PragerU 5-Minute Video, make sure to click on the link in the description below, or head over to dailywire.com. We'll see you next Monday for a new interview with another PragerU presenter. (music) 